Hey folks, this is Josh. I just wanted to let you know today is Monday, which you probably already knew, but we usually air an episode of Intelligame Radio on Mondays. Instead, we're going to be airing the Intelligame podcast that was supposed to go up on Friday. This is episode five. I think you'll really enjoy it. There's some awesome news and a great interview. Um, we'll resume Intelligame Radio on Wednesday, but in the meantime, I really hope you enjoy this. Thanks a lot for being part of the community, and yeah, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Josh Boykin, founder of Intelligame.us. You're listening to another edition of the Intelligame Podcast. I'm really excited to be able to bring this next episode to you. It's been a long time coming, in my opinion, and I I don't know. I, as I said before, always really enjoy doing the podcast, and I think that there is something to the idea of having an opportunity to sit down and have a little bit of a longer form discussion. It seems like As humans, we've always had a fascination with the interaction of groups. Some of our most popular sporting events are team-based. Practically any of the sports that seem to be super huge, um, as well as a number of esports, League of Legends, Dota. Sure, there are individual sports and participations that people appreciate and enjoy, but I do think that there's a special energy that comes from seeing a group of humans who generally may have differing goals or ideas or mindsets come together to try and satisfy a singular objective. And I think we also all have an acknowledgement that there are certain things that a group is capable of that are really difficult to accomplish alone. As I said, this episode feels like it's been a long time coming because, um, I have been working on running Intelligame practically by myself for the past couple of years, and I've had some really excellent moderation staff in Unseen Academical, who was on the last episode of the podcast, as well as PFLAN, GD Black Bat, Chimeric Notion, who've been in the chat and been able to help guide our conversations when we are doing live streams. But when it comes to actually doing some of the regular interaction and coming up with what happens here in the Intelligame space. I've been doing a lot of that solo. That changes as we bring in a new contributor to the Intelligame team. This episode's theme is team, particularly because the power of groups has been weighing on my mind a lot lately. There are a number of problems that when faced individually can feel insurmountable. And I think many ways when we look at the news and think about issues that are oncoming, political corruption, climate change, they feel like issues that can't be handled alone. And maybe they can't. But when we think about the ways that we want to build community, when we think about the ways that we want to positively affect change in the world, I think a lot of those ways are much more effective when done as part of a team. So we're going to follow our traditional format this week. We're going to have an interview followed by a director's cut article reading, then a game recommendation per usual. Our interview is going to be with our new contributor, Jenny Windham, a.k.a. Kim Chica. I, again, am really excited to have her on. You've probably seen her in the Intelligame chat a few times, and the conversation that we have, I think, is just It's great. It's really great, and I'm really excited to share it with you. This week's Director's Cut flashes all the way back to 2015, where I talk about doing some Halo 5 co-op and the ways that increasing the difficulty seems to bring out some of the best in teamwork. Finally, this episode's game recommendation is one that should be familiar to folks who've kept up with the Intelligame livestream. Though it's not a multiplayer game, it is the kind of title that is compelling and perhaps wouldn't even be possible without a great team behind it. 
per usual. If you have any feedback or recommendations, you can shoot an email over to podcast at intelligame.us, or you can drop us a line on social media. If you follow us at Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Let's Intelligame, you can find our channels there and submit your feedback. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. Just as a heads up, the conversation with Jenny does include some spoilers for Journey. You've probably heard the game come up here on the IGPC at least a couple of times, but just in case you haven't played it and are spoiler averse, you'll want to, right around the 35 minute mark, jump forward to 45.53, and that should pretty well take care of you. Again, if you haven't played Journey already, I definitely recommend giving it a shot, and then coming back to this discussion. All right, folks. So, uh, yeah. See, I already screwed up. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I do that too. I usually take like three to five days. <laughs> um. All right, folks. Usually, you hear me running the Intelligame podcast solo, and. Every IGPC, we have a guest who's usually from outside the world of IntelliGame, somehow connected to gaming, um, but always a good conversation. This time, for the first time, there's another person on the inside of the IntelliGame sphere who uh, who's going to be on the podcast, hopefully more than just this once. So uh, I would like to welcome Jenny Windham, a.k.a. Kim Chica. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> Um, welcome to the Intelligame Podcast. It's good to be here. I'm really excited. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like this is long overdue. Like even before, <laughs> um, even before we had talked about you being able to do work with IG, like mm -hmm. you've been doing really awesome stuff in the indie space. And I mean, nice. do you, do you want to talk a little bit about like what what do you do? Who what, are you? What do I do? <laughs> um, what don't I do? I feel like I do a little bit of everything. Um, Mostly my goal is um, in the gaming industry is to promote and curate indie games. So there's so many titles being released. There's so many just games out there. I felt as a at a loss as to what even to play when I started playing games back again in college. Um, and so what I've started to do just naturally is just sort of curate these lists for myself. And I thought, well, why not? publish these and share them with people because I always wonder what to play next and then it just kind of turned into a thing um, and that's what I do now yeah I play indie games I work for a company um, where I do marketing PR live mm -hmm. streams social media all that good stuff yeah. <laughs> so. I mean it, it seems like it, it very much keeps you busy and active in the game space mm -hmm. what is it about indie games that really reaches out to you um there's this sort of rawness that you can feel I think when you play especially my my focus is typically really narrative based games and so just from the get-go with narrative based games you get that sense of story you get that heart that the developer puts into it regardless of whether it's a triple-a or an indie but there's something about indie games that feels a little bit more uninhibited a little bit more raw and so when you play it I, I just there's a connection that I feel like I get a little bit more than when you play this really polished beautiful triple-a game which is also fun but um, yeah there's this rawness that I love and yeah. I was actually talking to a developer last night and there's this ability that they have because they're not tied necessarily to a specific franchise or a brand or a publisher that needs specific things to happen um, and so they can insert themselves into games in a way that I don't think you can see anywhere else. And I think that's just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it really is, this is an art form. You know, it, it brings it to an art form level, which is great. Yeah, I do. There is something about that, that sort of richness or depth of, of character mm -hmm. that you can see from a project that is created by like a person or a small team of people mm -hmm. um hey. yeah <laughs> it's like we have to have some sort of chime or something every time yeah. you bring up the, the theme of the episode um what are some games that you feel like have that character that you are talking about mm -hmm. some of that rawness mm -hmm. there are two that well there's so many that are coming to mind but there are like two or three that immediately came to mind partially because i just finished playing them um 
Right now, Farlone Sales is this indie game that recently came out this past month, and it it was just so beautiful. I really, there's no word for it other than just beautiful. Um, I loved how there was no dialogue. It's just this landscape, and you are essentially what is it, fixing this train sailboat thing and trying to figure out what even the journey is for. Um, And it was so vague, but so well done that I loved how open-ended it was. It was just a game that I can't can't get out of my mind. Interesting. Uh, Played it twice, had my husband play it, and I watched him cried over his shoulder (laughs) at the (laughs) ending. (laughs) Um, But that was an interesting game because it... I'm I'm not very into mechanical things like any like Gundam Wing anything with like a mech transformers robots aren't that I'm not into robots. Robots I'm sorry. are great. <laughs> Little like <laughs> Wally is probably the most mechanical thing I can adore. Um, okay, <laughs> I know. I can accept. Am I still invited to the podcast? <laughs> and so I already gave you the invite. I can't rescind it now. That would just be rude. Um, but yeah, this what fascinated me about this game was because you are the only living thing that you can really experience in this game, it's just you and this train. I fell in love with this train. The train became my friend, and the way that this game made this happen for me was just so unreal. Like, I've never felt this way about a a vehicle. (laughs) So um, that's a game that I've been really into. And then the other one that I actually just finished playing last night is called Stay um, by Abnormal's team, and that one was made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, and I w- actually, that was the dev I was talking with. And the way you interact with this person, it's half visual novel, half really, really hard puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a man who's been abducted. And in the bottom like left-hand corner of the screen, there is a timer that shows how long you are in-game, actively participating in dialogue with him or solving puzzles to help him escape where he's been abducted and trapped. And when you log off, there's an away timer. And so when you are away from the game, the game is still happening. You return and the man's like, oh, I missed you, you were gone, I didn't know what to do. And that feeling of just like guilt and responsibility for a fictional character was just unnerving but like really cool at the same time um so those are two games that i've just been very into lately (laughs) i want to dig a little bit into um into that experience with stay Mm -hmm. do you feel like experiences like uh that are are sort of atypical right Mm -hmm. uh in games do you feel like they spill over into your processing of what you do in reality uh, do you feel like having that that sort of quantified sense of this is how much time you spent away from me is something that you like take into account or process in the world outside of the game? I think it it made me aware of a couple of things actually. Number one, the time that I'm willing to spend with something, how much attention am I paying to it versus am I just half listening and on my phone, you know, maybe not actually there, staying with a person or sure. mentally being there with them. Um, but there was also what was interesting is the puzzles were so they were designed to be just really frustrating and hard. I actually I was talking to the dev about it because I was like, I'm really stuck on this. I'm feeling some kind of way. How, how can we get through this? I'm and, all in my feelings. right Yeah. Now. <laughs> and and it was really interesting because when I was able to get through the puzzle and like cut through that sort of feeling of frustration, the just the relief and the like that release that you feel when you figure something out was so rewarding. Um, And so that game was really showing me like, how much am I willing to persevere? How am I willing to, for the sake of someone else, try to fight through this challenge and really try to fight through my personal frustration to help someone else? Hmm. I thought that was a really interesting thing that the game sort of illuminated for me in in real life. Um, Because I was thinking about it and I was like, well, what would I do for someone if I didn't know them, but I was talking to them and they needed help, what would I do for someone if it was someone I knew, right. like a dear friend? Um, so it just brought up all of these things and kind of like, how do you process maybe also different events, different challenges that you have in your life? It was really interesting. Well, for one, if anybody mm-hmm. on the podcast uh, is not convinced that you should be part of Intelligame, well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Because <laughs> now I'm just like, wow, I need to play that. That sounds... Yeah, that's a lot to pack into a single experience. I remember mm-hmm. 
the first time I played Persona 3, mm. um, which is uh, uh, this JRPG that's a hybrid of a dungeon crawler, but also like a life sim. So you're playing these high school characters and you have to like go to class and study for tests and talk to your friends. And like as you make these mm-hmm. friendships or get better at certain things, it raises your your actual levels that improve your monsters that you take into battle. The first time that I played that game, I had this like, oh my God, time is limited experience (laughs) in college where I was just like, when I spend time with like 20 different people, like, I mean, that's fine. You get to know all these people a little bit, but, but that was one of those experiences where it made me think about how a, how a presentation of a concept in a game can have that sort of spillover effect into reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounds like Stay has a really, a really interesting way of of quantifying that concept of limited time. Mm-hmm. And particularly if you are specifically being thrown into something super challenging, um, because yeah, like at what point do you decide maybe this isn't worth it? Uh, yeah. But the sta- do the stakes feel somewhat high in solving the puzzles? They, they did for me. And I think only because they designed the dialogue with Quinn, the main character, um, they designed it so that it felt real. Like he has spelling errors. He has these kind of like annoying personality quirks. He feels like a real person. And Mm -hmm. so I think they did a good enough job for me in designing his character where I actually did care about him. And so when I left the game at any point, I would think like, oh man, I wonder what's going to happen when I go back to Quinn. Like, I hope he's not mad (laughs) you know, that I went to work (laughs) for eight hours. Um, I think if they hadn't designed a character that I cared about or grew to care about, it probably wouldn't have been as effective. Well, and Persona actually reminded me of something interesting that Stay also had because there is a level of trust that you build with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember what they call it, but it's sort of like they have two this trust level and sort of his int- intimacy level with you. So, and that also affects your conversations, how willing he is or how receptive he is to your suggestions of either digging deeper into a tunnel or maybe going to do something else. Oh, wow. So that was also a very interesting component of, does he trust me enough? How do I get him to, like, do I say certain things to try and get him to trust me? Or do I say what I actually think? Um, Which, again, I tend to overanalyze when I play games. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if I was getting way too into it and Quinn was, like, this weird new imaginary friend for me, but... (laughs) Well, I I think that it... It underscores this idea of uh, reciprocity in a team. Mm. Hey, um, <laughs> ding, ding, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, I, I think that we tend to think about, and particularly um, in spaces that we tend to think of as more hierarchical, right? That mm. we think of a team as like this is the network of people, and these people do these things, and these people do these things, and everybody just does their stuff, and it all works. But inherently, there has to be that level of trust and mm-hmm. communication that doesn't come from just automatically being assigned a role. It comes from interaction and right. having a sense of like, are we going to succeed together? Are we going to fail together? Like, am I putting this thing in your hands and like not sure what's going to happen with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a there's a lot of strength to that. I think there are a lot of... And it, it is particularly interesting how many games we play on a regular basis that involve those team mechanics, mm-hmm. um, whether they are solo situations where we're interacting with a story and AI, or if we're playing competitive games like Overwatch or Fortnite, right. where we're taking these little pieces of our time mm-hmm. and trusting them to our friends, to other competitors, things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know you primarily play indie games. Do you mm-hmm. have sort of team-focused experiences or games that you sort of gravitate to that you have in rotation or did at one point? I mean, back in college, I played... um, It was before, like, online gaming was a thing for me. I played a lot of, like, Super Smash Bros with, like, friends in college dorms. A lot of those, like, party games. A lot of Nintendo. I was a Nintendo (laughs) kid. Um, But, I mean, I do dabble in a little bit of Overwatch, a little bit of Fortnite, um... You know, trying, I've actually, it's been interesting. I've been sort of trying to find a team, like social game to play. Mm -hmm. Because for some reason, the last few months, I've partially because I think everyone has been more getting into these online, more social spaces for gaming. 
but also because I'm just a little bit more interested because it's something I haven't done yet. I usually play solo RPGs, narrative games, you know. Sure. I'm in my like little gamer hole and just don't talk to me except <laughs> you're, if you're a cat. Um, but well, scrambles. Yeah, scrambles and Rosie, <laughs> my gaming buddies. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't really played enough to like really feel attached to any sort of team game, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. Um, I think I did play A Way Out, which is I mean it's it's an indie game, but it's um, a two player co op game where it's actually split screen and you and your Buddy are actually two different characters in a jail trying to escape, mm-hmm. and so that that kind of game is like what I play, but nothing really more than that. <laughs> so even outside of games, though, I mean, mm-hmm. you're involved in a number of sort of team focused experiences. I would mm-hmm. think you know the you do a lot of dance, right? And um, just recently saw one of your performances mm-hmm. not long ago. Um, how does that feel? That sort of element of um, I mean, dance is something you're naturally passionate about individually, but yeah. to convey the situations you're looking for, it relies on other people who mm-hmm. I'm guessing sometimes don't do what they're supposed to. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but like how how does that feel interacting with a team in that respect? Um, well, like you said, there's this this element of trust and like community that has to be built before you can have an actual team. I think with dance, what's really interesting is also that it's so physical. Um, and that's why I also gravitate towards, like I really, I love solo dancing, I love doing things on my own, but I really love the feeling of being on a company or being in a performing group because of that team element. There's that collaboration and there's this energy that you get when you work with other people that doesn't happen when you work solo, which mm-hmm. is like the most obvious statement ever, but <laughs> but it is. It's there's an energy that can happen when everyone is working toward the same goal and everyone's willing to invest for that goal. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, as in any team or group that I've been in, groups and performances where a person consistently shows up late or isn't as invested in making the performance what everyone else wants it to be, and that's when you see that dissonance in, you know, what you know, with the group. But sure. um, I think what's really nice is that for me, I think dance is inherently, for me, it's a group thing. Mm-hmm. I I can't imagine dancing without being in a company or being with people um, because that's how I share feelings and emotions and like stories. And I think maybe that's why right now I'm in a point where I'm like, what kind of game can I play that allows me to feel like I'm sharing things with others? Um, but for me not necessarily having to shoot people because <laughs> that's where I get a little bit like, I don't know. I don't, I like to like farm things, <laughs> which well, Stardew, Stardew Valley, Valley. Yeah, yeah, has the beta out. So actually I'm hoping IG farm, Yeah, <laughs> um, right. but I'm hoping to get into that. And maybe if that's my online team game, mm-hmm. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. That's so. an, it's an interesting point that there are there are a number of like sort of team-based collaborative experiences in gaming that we talk about a lot Mm -hmm. but yeah most of them do involve shooting or killing something Mm -hmm. and they're usually other players Mm -hmm. so there aren't um like i for a while would run uh destiny or destiny 2 Mm -hmm. and i tend to feel better about those kinds of collaborative experiences where you know typically considered pve or player versus environment where folks can work together against computer simulated whatever, as opposed to Overwatch, League of Legends, where mm-hmm. where you know, in order for one person to be successful, another one has to fail. Right. Um, do you feel like playing? Do you think it's is it the shooting that's the problem, or is it the shooting other players? I mean. My skill set is also not as great <laughs> with shooting. My ability so to shoot. When uh, when I'm not good at something, I tend to get a little salty. Um, <laughs> but but I think I mean I've had fun in those kind of games, you know. And again, I do dabble. Um, but I think I don't know. I feel like I really enjoy that feeling of collaboration more so than than that competition that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, like I used to play. Whenever I played Dirty Bomb, which is another sort of like team competitive shooting game, um, I or even in uh, Overwatch, I'll main as a healer. I'll sure. main as an engineer to try and like support the team. Um, just because for me, it just feels better to play that. 
um, because it feels more collaborative. So I think it's it's almost less about the shooting. It's maybe having to shoot other players. Like I'm like, why can't we all just like <laughs> get along and I don't know, wander around the city and explore these beautiful environments together instead. <laughs> that um, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I've been thinking about the ways that my role. I feel like my role is starting to change in team games where mm -hmm. I am still predominantly a support main, mm -hmm. but I'm starting to move into damage. Mm -hmm. And it feels a little strange because I I have kind of almost you know, prided myself on being a support main for a, yeah. a while, but I'm looking around and seeing sometimes I'm like, well, sometimes I'm not the best healer. And sometimes if we don't have the best healer, like it's more effective for the group if I'm willing to switch into dealing damage mm -hmm. um, or tanking. I've actually, I've been really yeah. good at just like, <laughs> let me stand in front and distract people. I can do that in Overwatch um, because I don't have to aim at anybody mm -hmm. when I just hold a shield up. Um, but yeah, there is that element of figuring out how do you play that role in the team to get the experience that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if you're playing something like stardew everybody has that right. opportunity to be collaborative <laughs> and to work towards something positive mm -hmm. without having to delve into some of these you know other other mechanics that can become a little more toxic right yeah. when you've got your uh dps when you've got your your damage character that's not dealing damage when you've got your tank who decides that they want to deal damage you, right <laughs> sometimes you've got to have folks folks need to know their role on the team mm -hmm. and being able to fall into that role and communicate that information to others becomes really, really paramount because right. otherwise it, it all falls apart. Everybody's relying on each other. Right. Well, and I think that's also that's also why um, like Overwatch was a game where I was like when it came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the graphics are really fun. Gorgeous. They're really playful. Um, I could get behind this. And it's a really fun game for me until I realized you need to have a team that's balanced. I mean, just. Overwatch is a game where you need to have a team that's balanced mm -hmm. and you need to be able to communicate with your team. And at the time, I didn't really know anybody who was playing Overwatch. And so I was just constantly put in these teams where everyone wanted to be diva or every, you know, everyone was maining the same character. Right. Like, this doesn't make sense. And so it totally does ruin the experience when everyone's kind of out for number one and hoping to make that scoreboard and not actually push the objective. Yep. <laughs> Which, you know. Turns out, often happens. <laughs> folks, I, I usually, uh, I usually joke in Overwatch. I'm like, oh, well, people forgot they weren't playing Call of Duty today. <laughs> um, it's really not about kill, uh, kill count. It's about mm -hmm. moving the payload. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually even an interesting thing in in teams in general, right? Mm -hmm. In in games and outside of games, that it is sometimes very easy to be distracted by whatever is the bright and shiny thing or the right. thing that's on fire right now. And instead, be able to keep that sort of long-form perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I admit that that's one of the things that I'm really excited to be able to work with you on, uh, because I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at putting out fires. I'm a great firefighter. <laughs> that's probably why I main May, because because she she's the ice and yeah. freeze and all that. <laughs> but um, but having some of that sort of long-term perspective seems to it. I think that's something that you are are pretty good at. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What ways, like, what do you feel like you've been able to um, to do in teams? You said that you, mm -hmm. you know, you have, uh, you know, you have a company that you work with right now that you do some team collaboration in. Mm -hmm. um, what are places where you feel like you've been able to achieve something as part of a team that you couldn't do solo? Um, I think, honestly, the company I'm working for right now, I, I think what we're doing as a team is something that could not be achieved solo. I think we're because it's a startup, it's really brand new. Um, and what I love about the people there is that it's never a matter of like, if we do this or if we make this or if this happens, you know, whether it's for the project or for like the company as a whole, it's mm -hmm. when this happens. Um, and that's a mentality that at previous jobs was not there. And I think that's something that was really apparent to me. And as soon as I was on a team that believed in the same goal and the amount of stuff we can produce and the content we can create and like things we can do I think that is that's been kind of illuminating for me one of the dance companies I was a part of the very first season it, basically we just said hey, we just want to do a dance show 
and we gave ourselves a three month time frame. We were just like, we're going to have a dance show in three months. And that's kind of insanity. If you know anything about producing dance shows, we wanted like 12 pieces. We had a cast of, I think, 11 people and we needed costumes, theater. None of us had really done it ourselves. That's a lot. (laughs) Um, And I mean, we had great leadership. We had, I was part of the support team. I was kind of like the assistant director for that. And I think that was a beautiful thing because everyone was on board with the goal and also everyone did know their roles and everyone contributed and was almost selfless to make sure that this thing happened because Mm -hmm. we believed that it should happen. I think that's that's kind of an example that comes to mind. I don't know. No, that's a a wonderful (laughs) example. I would love to, or I, I would love for our listening audience, because mm-hmm. a lot of the folks who listen to the IG podcast and to IG radio are folks who've been part of the community for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the things that you hope uh, you can do working with IntelliGame? Not to make this take, an inter- like a, a job interview. the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just to give a little context, I found IntelliGame because of a Google search where I literally typed in, like, I want to talk about games intelligently. Who does that in Portland? <laughs> and IntelliGame popped up. And I was like, this is great. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Because at the time, I was thinking, if there's nobody, especially in the area, doing this, someone needs to. And I was going to start something. I was like, oh my gosh, it already exists. Less work for me. I just want to hang out <laughs> with these people. And so, I mean, from the get-go just belief in the mission of IntelliGame and like what it's trying to do. I think my goal with it is to make sure more people hear it um, because there is an audience for it and there are people who want to talk about games and how they connect with their daily lives because also we're older. We're gamers that have grown up with the medium and that's just kind of what happens when you get older. You start building those bridges and connecting things. Right. And so my hope is that, yeah, we just keep it growing and I hope that my thinking about games can become more critical because of the environment and the discussions that we have like with the community and with each other selfishly i want to just get better at thinking about games (laughs) uh but but yeah i want to make this something amazing because i think it is already amazing just people don't know about it sure so yeah yeah uh, as uh as anybody who's been following intelligame for a while can likely attest um Social media is—it's <laughs> fun, friends. It's oh, a it's lot something. of something. <laughs> it's something that I hope you really enjoy. <laughs> and it just so happens to be what I get paid to do, right. so it's perfect. <laughs> Typically, on the uh, the podcast, we ask for a. Why do I say we? I just the like, community. We can see, yeah, everyone. yes, the community <laughs> requests of you uh, to ask for a, an IntelliGame, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this doesn't have to be your one definitive mm-hmm. IntelliGame, but a title that you feel is important, relevant. It could be important to discussion or discourse overall. It could just be a game that was important or transformative to you. But if there was a game that you wanted to have sort of the IG listening audience mm-hmm. like reach out and say like, oh, if I played this game, this would be a positive experience for me. What mm-hmm. what would be your Intel game? I mean, I feel like this one is one of those tried and trues that probably has already been listed or played by many of the community members. Hold on, let me write let me write down my guess. <laughs> okay. Journey? Uh, I guessed wrong. But that one has gone. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you guess? Nope, wait, uh, wait. I, I did guess Undertale. Oh, uh, that's a great one. That's what I hear. That's a really good one. Oh, yeah, that, that should be an IG game. Yeah. Uh, but Journey. Oh, man. Yes. Journey. Uh, it's, I would say, often my number one game of all time. Uh, I think it was, number one, it was the game that got me into indie games. Um, it was the first game that I had played. So I went through a break with video. I had a little break from video games. You said that you came back to games in college. I did. Um, there was a time just in high school. I mean, like basically, yeah, my high school years, I got really busy. I kind of was like, well, none of my friends play video games. Like 
it's not cool. You know, people mm-hmm. don't talk about games. I'm just going to, I'll play Harvest Moon at home, like in my bedroom. <laughs> Nobody's going to know. I'll play Pokemon at home, but I'm not a gamer, you know, and I never really identified as such. And then in college, um, found Journey and this game, I actually purchased it for my husband because mm-hmm. uh, he, he was like, oh, I really want this game. And, you know, I was like, fine, easy gift for Christmas. Let's do it. And then we played it together on Christmas Day. I don't think I've ever cried. Like those are so many feels. So many. It was the holidays. It was snowing. We had cats in our laps. Oh my um, god! <laughs> and it was, and it's kind of fitting, especially in terms of teamwork, because it was the first time I actually had played a game that had someone online playing with me. And Spoilers. at the t- oh shoot. It's so old, I forgot. We can cut that out. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll just have to bleep it out. Yeah. We'll just, I've never done a bleep before. Yeah, I can restart it. <laughs> but it's it's the first time that I played a game that can I can I say had another character there? I'll just I'll just talk about the beautiful art and music. No, no, you no. That's that is such a heavy part of what makes the game. Right? Yeah, is that you're having this collaborative experience right well and here's the crazy part though and we can edit all this out if you want maybe Um, i don't know i don't know (laughs) i i I like the idea of have we might just have to say here are oncoming spoilers about journey (laughs) prepare your ears right um I mean, it, it came out in the 2000s, so maybe perhaps we're okay. You know, but like, <laughs> I, don't know. I understand that there's a certain like moratorium <laughs> on spoilers, so but it also is the kind of game where if you knew it oh, at the beginning, it would be a completely different experience. And that's what I was going to say is I played that game. You know, you start off solo. It's beautiful. You're like crying on the inside already because the music and the colors and then you see this other character and you're just like, oh, great. It's another it's another hooded being. Right. Part of the game. Great. And then you get to the end and they draw a heart in the sand and you're already crying because it's the end of the game. And then the credits roll and you realize that you have been working with someone this entire time. I'm like getting goosebumps. Like you can see, yeah. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about yeah. it because it was such... I had never played a game that had made me feel so many things just as a standalone game and then realizing that I was actually connecting with someone who I didn't know, but we had this beautiful experience together. It was uh, number Uh, one game for me. um, (laughs) The first time the I've told this story on here a couple of times because you're Mm -hmm. right. Journey does come up fairly consistently. (laughs) Um, The first time. I played Journey was actually during the extra life stream that we did for Intelligame a few years back. Um, I was super overwhelmed. I'd already been up for 24 hours. I We've reached our funding goal, and especially due to a couple folks who made really significant donations. Um, and there were all sorts of like family members who were in there and uh you know particularly a couple of friends who really came through and so like i was already a little emotionally vulnerable and everybody told me that i needed to play journey but i didn't know anything about it before getting started and so so my friend laura hall who um does a lot of really awesome work in um sort of like physical game design love Mm -hmm. to have her on the show at some point too she actually went out of her way to say that she was like, oh, well, if it's going to be the last, like, I want to make sure I'm I'm there to support you. Yeah. Like, no, she wanted to watch me ball. <laughs> I was going to say. And she didn't tell me that that was what was going to happen. <sighs> but what got me about it was that, so for me, when I went through, I guess that there, um, since we're in the spoiler section of the podcast, <laughs> yeah. when you go through, Oops. I guess if you do things a certain way, then you continue on with the same person from start to finish Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen for me and so when i got to the end of the credits they showed like multiple people Mm -hmm. who had been involved in getting oh wow um now i'm getting choked up i know Um, right (laughs) there were like multiple people who were involved Mm -hmm. in getting me from the beginning to the end and there were all these experiences that i thought were interactions with AI, just like, you know, fun little whatever NPC stuff that it turned out were other humans. And particularly after doing 
the extra life stream and make, setting this goal of $2,000 that felt absolutely absurd and seeing all the different ways that not only people came in and donated on the stream, but like folks like Khalif Adams and uh, Beryl Ali and Yuri Kovichko and like all these different people who actually participated in the stream mm -hmm. and made it so like without Khalif to actually show me how to use OBS anytime we would have said be right back it would have just been me writing be right back on a whiteboard <laughs> and putting it in front of a camera without Ben Purdy putting together like the overlays I had no idea what overlays were I couldn't have tracked how much money we had like received in donations on screen mm -hmm. there were all these different things that I didn't even realize were parts of the process of making this stream successful that other people came in and and gave me with no expectation of anything mm -hmm. and getting to the end of journey and having this place where it like feels like oh well i guess we went through it alone and it turns out there were all these people who mm -hmm. made that possible i just i lost it well, i, I was like, gone i'm starting to tear up too <laughs> <laughs> it was mm. um it was one of the most uh, one of the most intense experiences I've ever had with a game, mm -hmm. um, and I'll blame part of it on sleep deprivation. But now I'm like tearing up right now, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not that tired. So, <laughs> yeah. So I really appreciate Journey and mm -hmm. uh, can understand why that comes up so frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just like, man, I've got to go home and. Whew. Right, right. Need to, to revisit that need game. Need to take a minute. Yeah, um, we've we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, <laughs> we've welcomed you to the team. Yay! Do you want to tell folks where they can find you when you're not when you're not doing IG stuff? Where can they find me? Let's oh, the social media thing. Yeah, no, I'm don't give them your address. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I live in in, yeah. in uh, Oregon. First <laughs> of all. Uh, <laughs> So on Twitter, they can find me at kimchika25. Someone has kimchika and it bugs the crap out of me. I'm trying to get that name back. And, and so how do you how did you come up with kimchika? Oh, that's a great question. So kimchi is like the national food of Korea. It's my favorite food. It's basically fermented spicy cabbage, radish, cucumbers, vegetables. Mm -hmm. It's the best food in the world. Just hands down it's all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now she uninvites herself from the podcast I scoot away from the desk <laughs> um but yeah so that honestly and i love food so i was like why not have my handle be my favorite food and then i can't name myself just kimchi because that's i don't know it felt weird so mm -hmm. i was like well how do i make this more feminine uh so i just added the chica and i was like oh that's kind of that's kind of a nice little play since chica means lady I gotcha. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, very food oriented if anyone wants to send me things. <laughs> We've um, had multiple food meetings. Oh, what's important. <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube, I'm just, you know, youtube.com slash kimchika. And then on Twitch, I am kimchika. So Twitter is the only outlier in, yeah. in all of the social handles. Twitter. <laughs> Darn you, Twitter. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. It even, has been an honor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more Kim Chica content show up on Intelligame. Thank you so much. Today's director's cut goes back to 2015 and some time that I spent playing Halo 5 with Corey Gallagher, who's a friend of mine and a writer for popzara.com. I am not a Halo veteran. I'm not great at the Halo franchise. And though I understand some folks may find this a little controversial in their own experiences, I prefer to play difficult games with friends. I don't mind the frustration up front so long as it gives us an opportunity to sort of come together later and feel like we've improved or whatever. Not everybody shares that experience, but um, I do think that it led to an interesting story here in Halo 5. And I wasn't even the one who suggested the harder difficulties. Turning up the difficulty brings out the best cooperation. There's nothing like an almost punishing challenge to bring a group together. 
and those bonds cross over the digital divide. I'm currently waist deep in Halo 5. The dialogue isn't fantastic, but the combat mechanics are some of the most fluid I've played in a first-person shooter in a long time. For what it's worth, it did seem to learn from Titanfall. It features both sliding and some verticality, though you can't go prone. You've never been able to go prone in Halo. The speed of the game and the map construction just aren't really designed for it. I've been having a blast with the PvP game modes, but tonight I dove in with a fellow writer on the co-op campaign. Halo 5 allows you to take up to four players through the entire campaign mode together, fighting through waves of enemies as a team to discover more about the stories of the Master Chief and Spartan Locke. When I started the co-op game, my friend Corey said, well, let's not play it on normal, we should at least play it on heroic. Heroic is the equivalent of hard mode in Halo, one step below legendary, which is the mode you play when you want to die frequently. Well, sure, I said, why not? Turns out heroic was pretty hard, but it was worth it. I'm finding it's always worth it for me to turn up the difficulty when I'm playing games with groups of friends. It tends to bring out the best in us. Now, I, I admit as I'm reading this, I'm also thinking back on some situations that had harder difficulties that didn't always seem to bring out the best in us. And so I'm wondering if we're going to dive into uh, a story of destiny. Nope, we're not. So <laughs> I may talk a little bit about that at the end as a sort of counterpoint to the article. When I was younger, I used to play all of my games on harder difficulties. I thought it didn't really count somehow if I beat the game on an easier level since I couldn't brag about it to my friends, and usually the rewards for beating the game were better. Stronger weapons, more detailed or alternate endings, or maybe even codes to unlock bonus characters. Now as an adult, I don't have as much time to pour into my games, so I tend to play on normal mode because it gets me through the story more quickly, allowing me to move on to the next game. That by the way, is idealized. I still have that tendency to play games on hard. It's not efficient. <laughs> but when I'm playing games with friends, I'm not playing to experience a story. I'm playing to spend time with friends and socialize. So why not step up to a challenge while we're at it? My best multiplayer gaming memories are from intense battles with a group of allies against an overwhelming boss. These are the types of experiences common in MMOs, massively multiplayer online games that take place live in an online world. In MMOs, you're generally rewarded with more experience, money, and better loot for tackling harder challenges, creating a tangible incentive to fight harder bosses. Even though Halo 5 isn't an MMO and doesn't offer those concrete rewards, my intangible benefit every time I play cooperatively is watching our team of ragtag allies band together becoming a coordinated attack force against a single enemy, even if we all die and have to start over a few times in the process. Oh, Corey and I did just that, wiping out multiple times during a mid-boss fight in the second mission. We'd run in, guns blazing, and get knocked down by small grunts that would have been no challenge in normal mode. He'd run to the left side of the map while I went around to the right, he'd get shot and killed by a laser, and then I'd get killed when I tried to run over and revive him. After a couple times of trying it solo again, we eventually started communicating. Let's focus on the turret in the left window, I'd say. And next thing you know, the enemy went down. From there, we pushed our way up the line, talking as we encountered new baddies. We punched a hole in their defenses by working together, learning and adapting in a way that we never would have if we didn't have the challenge of the increased difficulty. Now, I, again, I'm glad that we figured things out and eventually talked it out this time but I do also recall playing Destiny, the original Destiny, the Vault of Glass raid. It was the first six-person raid I had ever tried to do, and I was playing it with some other friends. The game was relatively new, and the raid was hard. It was really difficult, and so you would think it would still have this, oh, this is a fantastic experience of bonding and whatever. Well, it turns out if you don't eventually clear that challenge, those positive feelings don't necessarily show up. And I can still remember after two and a half hours, maybe, of trying to clear this vault, this vault of glass raid and failing, eventually getting to the point where it was just like, all right, I'm out of time. 
one of our party members was out of time and had to leave and those feels weren't as grand so let's let's not pretend everything is happy-go-lucky when you turn up the difficulty in a game when i get spare time i tend to play diablo 3. it's a pretty mindless hack and slash game that i can play with friends to blow off steam while feeling like i'm doing something productive because i'm gaming and levels and loot of course but I've found that if I play Diablo with friends and we don't turn up the difficulty enough, I actually get more stressed out than the, the difficulty is a touch too high, and I'm dying more often than not. Boredom starts to take over. Given there's such a thing as too much difficulty, if we're all constantly dying or we keep going back to base to repair my armor because I keep dying, that ruins the fun for everyone. But there's a sweet spot of difficulty, just a little bit more than we think we can handle where we learn that we're capable of a lot more than we'd originally thought. That's where I like to keep my perspectives in gaming, though I try to keep them there in life as well. The fear of failure keeps many people from trying something truly challenging in life, and that fear can be justified. Unlike in gaming, in reality we don't get extra lives or revives when we fail. We might lose reputation, property, relationships, maybe even our lives. One bad event, one misstep can be the beginning of a life of pain and heartache. But easy moding our way through life means that we end up underdeveloped, weak, and we don't bring the beauty and awesomeness to ourselves and our world that we could have if we'd stepped up. To really make a difference, to find the potential we have in ourselves, we have to know what our limits are, our real limits. And that comes from running a little further than when you run out of breath getting the salad instead of the pizza when we know we're really hungry, swallowing your pride and apologizing when you know you could lash out. Those can all be hard to do, but they get easier when you do them with friends. Now, Corey and I haven't always seen eye to eye, as those who've kept up with our Popzara podcast know, but we've gotten along better over time by working together, and a lot of that is owed to the time that we've spent gaming together as well as traveling to events and whatnot. Even more so, a big part of the reason, even more so, a big part of the reason that this site exists on the internet instead of as just an idea in my head, which it had for the past few years, is because I finally went co-op and decided to work with another friend who's trying to improve her business. We met regularly and discussed our plans for improving our businesses and the tasks we needed to complete. We both accomplished things we talked about doing but hadn't done alone. I published an article either here or there on my personal blog for the past 21 days. That's more days in a row of writing than I'd ever done in my life. But I don't think I could have set that goal and really felt like I could have achieved it without a teammate. Someone else who knew I would ask questions and someone else I'd have to be accountable to for my progress. So sure, starting my own website and challenging myself to post every day was turning up the difficulty a bit, but it turns out that it's a lot easier than going it alone when you're together, and it's a lot more rewarding too. I, I kind of like that ending. That was, that was nice and kind of uplifting. I actually kind of forgot about that writing challenge that I had done, and I should take a second to give a shout out and a thanks to, uh, to Ellen who I did that original collaboration and sort of accountability project with. Again, I don't think any of this would have gotten to where it did without having that support. I very much encourage folks who are trying to tackle a challenge that is new and a little difficult to find an accountability body and to actually hold that accountability in, in seriousness. There, I, I think sort of the running theme in this cooperative situation is that you're both or however many folks are in your team are accountable to each other. You succeed or fail based on the ways that you are able to fulfill your end of the bargain. And there were times when I was claiming that I would be accountable and get things done that I didn't always as much and that made things more difficult. If you can find a partner who you can really kind of stay on that level with and push each other to new heights there's a lot of really cool things that you can do and uh, i was able to find that out through 
many of these different opportunities for collaboration. So again, thanks to, uh, to Ellen for that help and, uh, and to Corey for some fun multiplayer. I hope that director's cut maybe gave you some good ideas on how to collaborate in your future. Our last segment of the show is a game recommendation. And with a theme of team, I spent a lot of time thinking about cooperative multiplayer games. League of Legends, Dota, Laser League, Battle Right, Overwatch, all these different multiplayer team-based games, some of which are more popular than others. I even thought about talking about the update for Stardew Valley that allows multiplayer, which we talked a little bit about with Jenny, though I haven't actually played Stardew Valley, so I can't really, I couldn't really feel comfortable recommending it, though I totally intend to play it. I ended up settling on a single player experience that I'm really compelled by the team that was put together to actually create the game. Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is an exceptionally ambitious project. It sets you in a world that is inherently gripped by Americana, but also has these feelings of sort of the Mexican Day of the Dead. It's a world that's dripping in tall tales and stories and narratives. Though the game was spearheaded by Janemann Nordhagen, who used to be a developer for Fulbright and worked on Gone Home, Janemann recognized that the story that he was trying to create was not a story that he could tell alone. Where the Water Tastes Like Wine covers a pretty large range of short stories, and those short stories are told by people of all sorts of varying backgrounds and perspectives. And for a single person to try to write stories of all of those different people, well, I, I think we've seen multiple places where folks have tried to handle narrative outside of their own experience and have missed the mark. So what Yanaman did was rope together a huge cast of writers, ranging from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, Austin Walker and Gita Jackson, who are both game journalists, uh, Elizabeth LaPense, who uh, is a native writer based out of the Midwest, uh, all sorts of different folks to have them write characters that were more akin to their own experiences. And this meant that the dialogue and the narrative that you would experience had a richer, deeper context. Those characters felt more authentic. And it wasn't just the writing that had this deep team. It was also the voice acting. By finding all of these different ways to tie in the right people to the right places, where the water tastes like wine felt authentic in a way that most games don't to me. Now given, I also have to admit that doesn't mean that this is a perfect game. The game released with some frame rate issues that we saw in our live stream, and you can feel a little aimless as you're walking around the country finding these stories that you're not always entirely sure what to do with. Still, there's this element of exploration and engaging in just narrative for narrative's sake learning about characters for the sake of learning about characters that feels warming and it feels a little more reminiscent of actual life where the people we meet enrich our lives and give us stories not necessarily for any specific purpose but because that's how we interact and communicate as humans we share our stories and our backgrounds and we learn from each other hopefully those things make us better and that's really what teams are all about, whether it's the development team of a game or the cooperative team that you're playing with inside a game or the folks that you are working on a project with. All of these things are about coming together and wrapping our abilities in a way that make us better than we would be individually. It doesn't replace our individual autonomy, but in many ways it can enhance our perspective and give us the ability to understand things that we wouldn't have originally. That's part of what I really enjoy about Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. It gives us the chance to experience a ton of different perspectives, not just because these characters have been created, 
but because these characters have been created by people who've lived many of these experiences and have a better understanding of how to tell the stories of those individuals. Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is out there on PC. You can get it on Steam, and I would encourage you to check it out. All right, folks, that does it for this edition of the IntelliGame Podcast. I've been your host, Josh Boykin. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook at Wallstormer. Thanks so much for hanging out, and thanks to Jenny Windham, Kim Chica, the newest member of the IntelliGame team, for that awesome interview and for upcoming content. Don't forget that you can find her personal work at youtube.com slash kimchika. If you're looking for more IntelliGame content, you can swing over to IntelliGame.us. That's the main homepage. And don't forget to subscribe to the IntelliGame podcast and IntelliGame radio by searching for IntelliGame radio wherever you find your podcasts. Keep up with our live stream by going to twitch.tv slash letsintelligame and check out the live stream this Thursday for a special co-op stream where Jenny and I will be playing some games and then open up for some community games too, so hopefully that'll be a good time. Keep an eye out for us on social media at Let's Intelligame on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, if you've got feedback for us, shoot it over to podcast at intelligame.us or tag us up on social media. Thanks again, and until next time, Keep IntelliGaming.